You're listening to an audio resource from Vineyard Church of the Rockies in Fort Collins, Colorado. We are joining God's mission, transforming all things, and you're invited. To learn more about us and how you can connect, please visit votr.church. Now, last week we started a new series about the unexpected nature of Christ's birth. How how in the birth narrative we see this unexpected arrival, we see the unexpected pain and turmoil that, that Jesus and his family had to go through, even the unexpected family lineage of Jesus. And we talked about how God often works in unexpected ways, that we think that God might be doing this in our life, but he's actually doing that. Or we think we need to show up here, but he's inviting us to go there. Or we think he's going to do the same thing he's always done, but then he invites us in to something new something unexpected. This is the nature of God, and it can catch you off guard. It can be surprising. It can also leave you in wonder and in awe of what God is up to and how he's moving in your life. This unexpected nature of God, as I was processing and praying this week, I I realized it really reminds me of my good friend and ministry partner in a lot of ways, Brian Villers, who's on electric guitar today. Brian's a member of our church here. He's a welder by trade, but if you get to know him, you realize he's a minister through and through. He actually runs Celebrate Recovery here at our church on Monday nights, which is an amazing ministry for anyone seeking freedom and recovery, but his journey to leading Celebrate Recovery and stepping into more ministry had all kinds of unexpected twists and turns. Brian and I have known each other for a number of years, and he affectionately refers to us as the odd couple. Because if you know me and you know Brian, you might not naturally pick us two to hang out consistently and to to be in ministry together, but we find ourselves just loving each other's company and doing ministry together in in some really great ways. And, And I don't know that we would have found our ministry friendship if it wasn't for the local church. And I, and I love his story because he even found this church in a very unexpected way. Like many of you, he has a story about how he landed at this particular church. He actually had a profound encounter with God at an early age, but after seeing some kind of some hypocrisy in his local congregation and wanting a different experience, he kind of fell out of love with the local church and the church community. Never really lost his faith, but kind of walked away from the church, at least the way that we think about it today. And there's a lot of fascinating details to what happened in his life over the few years that he was kind of away from the church. But eventually, he found himself driving past Riverside and driving past our church as he was going from work, or as he was going from his home to work every day. And the way he tells the story, this was maybe 10 years ago, or now. I, I took him out for lunch last week just to make sure I had the facts straight. This is about 10 years ago. The way he tells the story is as he would drive past our church, he would experience almost a, a magnetic pull into our parking lot. Like he couldn't explain it, but he just felt drawn into our parking lot, almost a gravitational pull in a way. And I asked him, he clarified, he wasn't driving a Tesla, so it wasn't like this auto driving mechanism that over, we should get into that though. That's church marketing right there. (laughs) We need a programmer to just put our address into all the Teslas. 
No, Brian had kind of written off the local church, and so feeling this like almost gravitational pull into our parking lot really caught him off guard, and it's just God's way of doing this, right? His gentleness, his, his unrelenting draw of love as he pulls us back in to his grace and to community. Eventually, this feeling and this sensation won him over, and he came into our parking lot on a Sunday morning, almost kicking and screaming saying to God, uh, I'm not sure I'll ever be allowed back again. I'm not sure I'll ever find myself in a local church like this again. Yet he found himself in these seats, maybe these exact seats, even that long ago. And he sat in the back row, and he said it had been so long since he had experienced the corporate gathering of worship that he just cried as people worshiped and sang around him. Then he met a former pastor on our staff named David Brooks, who discipled him, along with many others in this church. Next thing you know, Brian's leading middle school, then small groups, then he's doing outreaches and evangelism. He's on a journey of of continued learning and theology. He's taking spiritual direction, pressing into his own recovery journey, and now leading a fantastic team that meets every Monday night for Celebrate Recovery. If you talk to either one of us, we're not sure, either one of us, that that this is where it would have landed when we first met. It's clearly God's doing. It's God's work in his life, his unexpected leading and inviting us this way or that way. I'm so thankful for guys like Brian who respond to God's unexpected activity in our lives. And of course, Even as I look around and as I imagine everybody tuning in on the live stream, I know that this is many of our stories, that God has had unexpected twists and turns in a lot of our lives. Even the story of how many of you landed here is similar to how Brian landed here. God did something. He orchestrated something, and all of a sudden you found yourself a part of this church. God does this, right? He's always worked in unexpected ways, and that's what we're looking at when we dig into this series and the birth narrative of Christ, just how unexpected it was. Last week, I talked about the nature of the unexpected king, and this week, the story continues in Luke chapter 2, this time looking at some very unexpected guests at the birth of Christ. Luke 2, verses 8 to 16. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that had happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. It's the story of Christ's birth. 
And notice how many things God is up to in this story, right? It's God initiated. It's God led, God sustained. And all of it was quite unexpected in nature, even God bringing unexpected guests. God sent angels. At one point, the entire sky is lit up with the light and glory of God, so much so that in verse 9, it says, the sky was filled with the radiance of God's glory, and it surrounded the shepherds. And these shepherds who were in the fields were just alone at night with their sheep, guarding them under the moon and the stars, minding their own business, but they were invited into God's story from the very beginning. They were invited to the biggest miracle that mankind has ever experienced. And it's lost on us culturally, I think, just how unexpected the shepherds were. Right? But, but I, I think just a little imagination, we can probably get there. I mean, you just have to remember, these guys were with sheep. They were with animals in the middle of the night guarding their flocks. They were outside all night long. They smelled like sheep. They smelled like the fields and the grass and the manure that was probably all around them. Both my grandparents had farms in Iowa. I grew up working in the fields during the summer when I visited them. My, my brother-in-law is a huge pork producer in the Midwest still to this day. I know what the fields and the farms smell like. They're the types of smells that if you get invited to someone's birth, you need to go home and shower and get a change of clothes, maybe run a comb through your hair or something before you go and see the baby, let alone the Messiah, the Lord of all creation, Jesus Christ. But they didn't do that. They went straight from the, from the fields to the manger. Straight from the fields to the manger. I mean, it's crazy when you think about it, but these were some of the most unexpected guests you could imagine to our unexpected newborn king. Sometimes in our humanity, I know I can do this, is that we have eyes to see the people around us maybe with high levels of influence so that we can use their network to meet more people. Or you meet people who have the ability to finance a new ministry initiative. Or you find people who are very educated so they can unpack the scriptures and teach you all about different essence and, and nuances of theology. But that's not how God did it. God found these lowly shepherds who were by themselves in the fields at night. And he said, I want you to come to the party. I want to invite you into my story. I want to invite you in to the birth of this newborn king. See, God desires to invite unexpected guests into his story all the time. And if you're wondering how maybe you fit into this story, how it might apply to your life, then let me kindly remind you this morning that you are most like the shepherds in this story. That you are the unexpected guest, right? If, it, if it's offensive, I'm sorry, but you are like the smelly shepherds in the field. This is, I'm throwing myself in that category 
too. This is us, though. This is all of us. We're all the unexpected guests. We're all a little bit less influential in the kingdom than we probably care to admit. We're probably a little bit more overseen than we care to admit. We're a lot more like the shepherds in the fields by themselves. Of course, we all have different levels of influence and money and power and responsibility in our lives, in our family, or, or at our workplaces. This is true, but when it all comes down to it, we're just a lot like the shepherds. We get invited in as unexpected guests. So many of our stories are like Brian's from earlier, just minding our own business, going about our own lives, doing our, our own things, and then, and then God breaks in. Right? His, his grace shows up. His unconditional love shows up. His faithfulness shows up again, and we're reminded of his story, and we're invited into his story again, even when we weren't looking for it. I know this is, this is my story for sure. I was far from God, addicted and running in the complete opposite direction with all kinds of baggage, yet God invited me into his story in an unforgettable way. And even if you've always known him, even if you've always followed Jesus, it's still very unexpected when his grace and his faithfulness and forgiveness shows up again because none of us have lived perfect lives. We've all turned our back. We've all fallen short. And yet time and time again, he shows up in our lives, sustaining us and drawing us back in with his love time and time again. I love that we serve a God that invites unexpected guests Of me, I am number one, into his story. This Christmas, I wouldn't be surprised if God put unexpected people in your path. It's in his nature. It's how he works. It's part of his design. It's the way that he works in all of our lives. He'll put unexpected people in your story and in your path because he wants to use you as relational glue to tie them to a story bigger than all of us. Don't be alarmed when someone who you wouldn't expect to socialize with or sit next to or have join your small group just shows up because this is what God does. Everyone has a story. Everyone has unexpected turns, and God is working in every single person you meet. Part of the beauty of the gospel is that we get to be a part of discovering that story and pointing them to the story of Christ. You know, our scripture is filled with unexpected happenings and unexpected guests. And if if you're most like the shepherds in this story, which, by the way, is really good news for all of us because it's a lot better than trying to be like the angels or trying to be like a newborn perfect king who's married this hypostatic union of fully God, fully man, all wrapped up in a manger. Like, that's not going to be very attainable for us. Because we're most like the shepherds, and this is where we want to dig into. This is the the parts that we want to apply to our own lives. And so I think as we look at the shepherds, we can learn a lot from them, how they embraced the situation and how they responded. I've found three things right from the text that we can apply to our own lives. First, if you're a shepherd, go and see. That's the first call. Go and see. Look at verse 15. This is what it says. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem 
Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They saw the angels. They saw an angel, and then they saw a host of angels, but that wasn't enough. And I think for most of us, like an angelic encounter would be enough. We would call that a pretty good day in our spiritual lives, but it wasn't enough for the shepherds. Right? They had this prophetic word and this prophetic call, which for most of us, we would be like, oh man, what, what a beautiful experience, but it wasn't enough for the shepherds. Not for them. They wanted to go and see for themselves. And I think that we need this same kind of response in our own lives. So I want to just challenge you with all of the love and, and all of the humility and all of the grace that I, that I can muster up in my heart. Never let Sunday be enough for you. Never let Sunday be enough for you. Matt's worship or, or my messages or the kids' ministry and the youth ministry, whatever it is, never let it be enough. Go and see for yourself. Go and dig into the word of God for yourself. Go and encounter the birth narrative and read the stories for yourself. And we hope and we pray and we put a lot of effort into having a great Sunday experience, both in person and online. And, and I do believe there is something that happens when we gather collectively that can't happen when you're alone. Like community is essential for all of our spiritual maturity and growth, but it can never satisfy you in the same way if you were to go and see for yourself. So based on this text and what we see in the shepherds, I want to invite you into something new that we're going to be starting in January, on January 1st, actually. It's called Holy Sweat. Holy Sweat. We're going to start the new year off on the right track. It should look a little bit like P90X or Whole30 or whatever New Year's resolution or diet or workout regimen that you might find. Why not also work up a little holy sweat in the new year, right? This is going to be a 40-day kind of dedication in the new year to start the year off right with a mixture of a Bible reading plan and spiritual disciplines so that we can rearrange our life, so that we can say, I want collective accountability, but I want to go and see for myself. So you can sign up for, to, to be part of Holy Sweat online. We also have some printouts on the way out of church today. You can grab one and put it on your refrigerator or something like that. You can sign up at votrweekly.org. And when you, when you register online, here's what's going to happen. You're going to get periodic texts or emails from me to encourage you over the journey of 40 days. I would, uh, you'll have to purchase the, the famous book, Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. We're going to read that book together, and every three or four days, we're going to practice one of the spiritual disciplines that you read about in that book. If you need help purchasing that book, let me know. I've got a few extra copies that we can give away. And then there's two versions. You can sign up for the intro or the extreme, or the extremo version. In the intro, the only difference, we're both reading Celebration of Discipline at the same pace. The only difference is your Bible reading plan. If you sign up for the intro, you're going to read all of the Gospels in 40 days. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's about two or three chapters a day. That's the intro version. The extreme version 
ramps up the Bible reading plan a little bit more. You're going to read six to seven chapters a day, but if you do that, you'll read the entire New Testament in 40 days. And so I want to encourage you to think about that and pray about that. If you've never done anything like this, if spiritual disciplines are new to you, let me encourage the intro, okay? But if this is something that you've done before and you're ready to kind of, I mean, it'll take sacrifice. It'll take about an hour a day to read six or seven chapters. You have to rearrange some things. Then sign up for the extreme and join us as we try to do what the shepherds did, to go and see the beauty of Christ for ourselves and to incorporate some of these disciplines at an individual level with kind of collective accountability. Go and see, create and pray for that individual hunger. This is the first thing we see the shepherds do. The second, I think, is just as good. If you're a shepherd, what we pull from the text is that you can go and tell. Go and tell. Tell someone what God has done in your life. Tell them what he's doing in your life. Tell them what you're hoping for in your life. Go and tell this good news that you have experienced. This isn't just something I'm making up. This is exactly what the shepherds did. Look at verse 17. After seeing him, the newborn king, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened, what the angel had said to them about this child. They they couldn't keep this goodness to themselves. It says they told everyone. They told everyone what God had done, everything that God had said, everything that God was showing them. They went and they told if you think about it, we all, we all testify to something, don't we? We all try to evangelize someone to something. We tell people about our favorite restaurants. We, we testify of our favorite babysitters when we find them, or we keep them to ourselves, but that's another, you got to share the love. We, we evangelize our friends on our favorite Netflix show all of the time. Why not this? Why not what God is doing in here or what God is doing among us? I want to encourage you to go and tell. We just hosted a huge Christmas outreach where we served over 1,100 people from our city. It was an amazing event. Go and tell people what God is up to. Go and tell people how we're joining God's mission in transforming all things. Go and tell people about the birth of Christ. Invite them to Christmas Eve. We have invites on your way out. Share social media posts. If you want to really ruffle some feathers, maybe share it on Nextdoor. It's like, I don't know if you've ever been on Nextdoor. It's like the gossip epicenter of everyone's neighborhood. Nextdoor, I'm telling you. Invite someone face-to-face. Better yet, bring them. Bring them with you. Sit with them. Every Christmas time, we have this amazing service called Blue Christmas, too, which is for people who have experienced loss over the last year, loss of any kind, loss of life, loss of job, loss of whatever it is. We always say it's hard to sing Christmas carols if you don't have a space to grieve and mourn a little bit, too. So bring someone to Blue Christmas. Pray with them. Ask them what they see God doing in their life. Go and see, go, and tell. And finally, if you're a shepherd, go and worship. Look at verse 20 one more time. The the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and all they had seen. They were in their fields, minding their own business. They have this angelic encounter. They go and see for themselves. Then it says they immediately go and tell everyone 
what they had seen and experienced. But then after that, they went back to their day job or night job. They went back to caring for the flocks. They went back to to caring for the sheep in the fields, but they went worshiping and glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen. Go and worship. Doesn't this passage just make you want to be like a shepherd? They just, they encounter God, they see the newborn king, and then their life is just filled with these godly responses time and time again. I want to be like the shepherds. I want to go and see for myself. I want to be bold enough and live without fear to tell everyone what God is up to. And I desperately want worship to just overflow out of my heart as I go about my life. When I think about that in our own context, especially when I think about this right here and right now, I've said this before, I'll say it again, I'll keep saying it. You're all worship leaders in our church. You might not be up here, you might not have a microphone, but you are a worship leader in our church, and we can't worship for you. You have to worship for yourself. And not only can you only worship for yourself, but when you worship, in whatever way that's best for you, whether that's arms raised, whether that's sitting in reverence, whether that's standing and belting out the melodies, when you worship, you're also leading others in worship. You're creating space for others to embrace their king. And you're joining as one voice, like the shepherds, glorifying and praising God. For all that he has done, imagine what this room would look like and feel like if we all considered ourselves worship leaders, lifting our voices to our unexpected king. When you look at this scripture, I mean, it's, it's amazing. The twists and the turns and how God did what he did. First, the angels show up. They tell of this newborn king, and the glory of God begins radiating down from heaven. I love all of that. It's beautiful. There is no second half of this scripture without the first half, without God showing up in a dramatic way. But I also love the second half of the text when we see these unexpected guests responding in unexpected ways. So this Christmas, I feel compelled. I feel convicted to be like the shepherds, to go and see for myself, to go and tell of all that God has done, and to go and worship for all that I have experienced. Let's be like the shepherds this Christmas. Pray with me.